Yeah, but uh, comfortably able to manage it yourself just because of proximity as well. Yes, but you know, that's a blessing and a curse. A hundred percent. Because I would I would always convince myself that it was close enough that I could just drive there. Yes. And I would do a lot of work myself. Yes. And and there was a pivotal time because I bought two apartment complexes in the same town. But there was a pivotal time. It was a Sunday afternoon and I'm driving out to to check on the property. Property manager calls me up and she says, Tony, there's a there's a resident who's having an issue with her toilet. I could call the plumber. It's going to be time and a half because it's a weekend. You know, you want me to make the call? And I was like, no, no, you know, I'm not far. I'll, I'll take care of this one. Oh. <laughs> and then 15 minutes later, I called her back. I said, no, call the plumber. This is yeah. not why I got in this business. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. I definitely think that uh, we need to brace ourselves for what is going to be an interesting year. I think that it's going to be definitely more challenging than the last several years combined, especially from a real estate and business perspective, uh, but also just from a world economic perspective, because we are dealing with unprecedented times in some ways and things are changing very quickly and many people just don't know what to expect on sort of a, a day by day or month by month basis in terms of the changes that are happening so i definitely think it's going to be a year of grit i think grit is going to be a very very important word this year which is sort of going to be a mix of you know how perseverant you are and just how passionate you are. And I think that people who are really gritty have the perfect mixture of these two very important things. So yeah, definitely going to be the year of grit. Um, in terms of what we're working on, uh, we're definitely having to pivot just like everybody else. Um, we're definitely still focusing on our multifamily acquisitions, especially south of the, south of the border. We just finally uh came to the finish line on our huge acquisition in Atlanta, Georgia, which was 122 unit townhouses. Um, Jose's actually out there this week, um, just doing uh, some of our due, you know, startup um, planning and implementation on the project, but um, definitely was not an easy project to bring to the finish line. And perhaps we can talk more in depth about some of the challenges with that particular project um, at a different time. But um, we're very happy that it's closed and very, very excited to hit the ground running with our business plan on that one. Um, on the home front, um, we are still um, actively managing our portfolio. We are looking to acquire some assets, but they have to be very selective assets. And the financing on these assets has to be extremely creative if we're going to do the deal. 
And we are also doing some short-term rentals. We've converted several of our units locally into short-term rentals and are looking to, um, you know, do some other interesting projects related to the short-term space. So anyway, um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Tony Castronovo to uh, the show today. Um, I will let Tony tell you more about himself, but he is a multifamily syndicator in the United States as well, as uh, well as uh, he does some coaching. So um, yeah, Tony Castronovo. Hey, fellow savvy real estate investors. We have Tony Castronovo on our show today. Uh, Really excited to have you on the show today, Tony. And I'm just going to tell our listeners a little bit about you. So uh, Tony is a multifamily investor uh, with about 880 units um, under his portfolio in various capacities uh, through GP, LPs, um, as well as some on his own. Uh, He's located in the Texas area in the United States. And uh, most recently, he's actually uh, launched a coaching program called uh, Grit to Growth, which I'm really excited to hear about. Um, You know, it it sort of seems to be a thing where when investors get to a certain level, a a lot of investors, um, they want to give back in some way. So I'm assuming maybe this is Tony's way of uh, giving back and and making an impact on other people because, um, you know, real estate has obviously impacted your life with the great success that you've had so far. So um, we'd love to hear more about that. So without further ado, I will let Tony introduce himself and tell you a little bit more about his background. And, um, you know, Tony, maybe tell us about what led you to get into real estate investing as well. Okay, sounds great. Well, thanks for that that intro as well. So just to, to add on to that a little bit, um, Tony Castronovo based in the Houston, Texas area. I've been here almost 26 years now. Um, I came here originally because of oil and gas. Uh, I went to school as a petroleum engineer. And when I graduated college, oil was 10 bucks a barrel and there were far and few between jobs, but I still always had a dream of coming to Texas. So I'd never been to Houston and I landed a job working in management consulting. I worked for uh, what is now Accenture. And they said, where do you want to go? I said, I'll go to Houston, Texas. <laughs> so that's what got me here. And, and you know, once I got into consulting, um, I just, I kind of stuck there. It was a great career path for me. Uh, I worked for a number of big firms like Ernst & Young and Accenture, but also some smaller companies. Uh, so while working in my, my W-2 day job, um, I, I somehow got the spark to get involved in real estate. Uh, I think it went back to, gosh, maybe, you know, early 2000-ish timeframe where um, I saw a relative who was out there in the Ohio area. He was buying single family homes. He was turning them into rentals. He was a pretty handy guy. So he he did a lot of the work himself. And it just kind of seemed like something that that, there could be a way to generate some income. And I used to actually work in a construction field before going to engineering school. So I thought, man, that would be great use of my skills. And I could do this on the side and fast forward a little bit because I had some kids along the way there and they kind of take your time away. But (laughs) in 2014, I finally started my own real estate company. And that started in the single family space. That's amazing. And yeah, you know what? 
I I'm actually in a similar background as you. I I, I studied engineering and construction management as well. <laughs> my my first job out of uh, school was you know working for a large engineering and construction company in the they we were more doing power plant construction. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, similar backgrounds. And um, but I'm I'm curious to know what for those who don't know what is what does management consulting involve. It's funny that I really feel all those skills translate into being a real estate investor and an entrepreneur. And and my niche, because management consulting can be a lot of things, but my niche was something called project portfolio management, which basically means that a lot of large corporations, they treat projects as investments. And they have a portfolio of these projects where they need to make sure they align with the strategy of, of the organization. They have you know, budgets for them to manage whatever returns they might get out of the project, as well as the expenses to complete the project. And then you know, over time, they're going to be tracking metrics and performance and things like that. And so I would help organizations to develop systems and processes to evaluate their portfolios and optimize their portfolios for the highest returns. And I never knew back then that that would then translate into real estate because yeah. we do something real similar, right? Exactly. But it's just a different asset. For sure. No, that's uh, very interesting. Um, so so uh, tell us, like you started buying single family homes, I'm assuming, uh, at the beginning, when you got that real estate bug, um, tell us like what what happened then. Yeah, you know, so so back in, I'll, I'll I'll step back just a little bit. I did a lot of education in the early two thousand kind of time frame, and it took me literally about ten years before I finally pulled the trigger and did something about it. But back in the in the early days. I don't recall a bigger pockets or anything out there. This was like grab a book from from the library or you know a bookstore and try to learn as much as you can about this topic. So that that's what I did. I still have a few of those books on my bookshelf. I recently had my son start reading them. He's he's in college now. But but when I really started getting into it, I started, you know, listening to all the bigger pockets podcasts and realizing how the Burr method worked. And and for those that aren't familiar with that, it's it's buy. Let's see if I get the acronym right: buy, rehab, uh, refi. <laughs> it's been so long. Help me with yes. This. yes. Refinance and repeat. Right. <laughs> So basically, I would buy a distressed single-family home. I would renovate it, and I would place a tenant in it. I would refinance that typically within 90 days, and then I'd pull out most of my cash, and then I'd go off and do the next one. And I, I got pretty good at that process. I was buying about maybe four homes a year, which is not crushing it, but it was enough to, to prove the model and, and, you know, start to build a portfolio and a little flipping along the way there, you know, sold one or two, but, but then at, at a certain point, 2018, I started feeling like, all right, one unit at a time 
it's just a little bit more cash flow, a little bit more equity. I, I want to go bigger. I want to go faster. And so I just ripped the Band-Aid off and said, I'm going all in on multifamily. And in 2018, I sold my single family portfolio and just bought the biggest apartment complex I could afford. And that happened to be a 20 unit, which, you know, by today's measures is is a good first starting point. But, you know, I, I thought I was doing amazing going from eight single family homes to a 20 unit apartment complex, only to learn that I needed to start thinking bigger because there was a lot more opportunity out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm for sure. And uh, I'm I'm curious to know. Tell tell us a little bit about your first multifamily and what that experience was like. Purchase price, perhaps where it was, um, and maybe share some of the numbers. And uh, do you still own that today, or uh, have you sold that? I have sold it. So I've gone full cycle on two multifamily deals. I've done seven multifamily deals so far. That first one was what I call an IRO, independent real estate owned. So basically, you know, I opened my checkbook and I was the only person involved in the deal. Now, of course, I hired property management, but that was me being the asset manager, me being the general contractor and hiring subs and different vendors. Uh, I financed it. I signed on the loan. I mean, it was all me. And that's all I knew because that's how I did it in the single family. And so I started kind of learning, you know, we were talking off air here a little bit about attending some multifamily meetups, guys who were doing syndication and, you know, we can talk about that, but, but that's how I, I evolved and transformed. But back in, in the days when I was doing that, that 20 unit, it was, it was picture perfect. You know, everything that they tell you and all the books and the podcasts to go out looking for a mom and pop, right? Yeah. This guy was 82 years old and he had owned this place for 40 years and he was never raising rents. I, when we did the lease audit, I was looking through leases and the late charges were $3 <laughs> because he just never changed these lease agreements for many, many decades ago and people never left because it was such a great deal for them. But the place was like falling apart, you know, around all these, these residents. And so we came in and renovated the entire place, minus one unit. We, we had one tenant who just didn't want to go and didn't care to necessarily get anything upgraded, but was willing to keep paying more rent. So we, mm -hmm. we renovated 19 out of 20 units. That's amazing. You left the the one unit for the for the next buyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we came in, we we put new appliances in there and you know, did a few things for him, but but he just, you know, he didn't want to go. We were going to move him into a new unit, but he was just a guy that was comfortable where he was at and you know, willing to pay more for it. So, but we we bought the place for 980k. This is in 2018. Uh, we put in about 325k in the renovations. We ended up selling it for a little over 1.8 million three years later. So it was about a wow, that's, great that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a great transaction. I would say it was about 30 to 31 percent IRR on that deal. 
Yeah, I know that. And this was a, this was what in two years? Three years. Three years. Three years. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, the first deal went well. You did good. It was almost like a a full burr, right? Like an apartment burr, except it just took a little bit longer than ninety days. But and I'm assuming that during the time that you you owned it, once it was renovated, you know, you were getting way better cash flow. It was doing it was doing pretty well. So. What prevented you from just doing that again? Like what what pivoted you into, you know, thinking bigger and, and doing these larger deals or thinking about syndication? Because it sounded like you were operating indiv- as like an individual entity here, no partners. Um, sort of what, what was that trigger? Which is what, what we've been doing all this all, all along too. So yeah, same thing. We've been we we but you know, we've we've obviously vertically integrated ourselves. We have our own in-house property management, our own in-house construction management. But yeah, it's very similar uh where we were just uh also doing the same thing like you. We were burring apartments uh one after the other. And we would do the same thing like we would buy our 12 to 30 unit apartments, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to know, like, where, where, you know, obviously, and obviously, you made great money on it. So, um, you know, what, where, yeah. what was the next step, and why did it happen that way? Well, I mean, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you know 20, 30 unit. I struggled for a little while on a decision of, do I just keep doing that, or do I think bigger and and try to buy larger? Because at some point you become cash constrained. Yeah. And, and so on that 20 unit, again, I didn't know there was another way. I just thought, you know, you go put 20 to 25% down on it and somehow you find a way to renovate it. And I got a little bit of money from the bank to do the renovations, but nowhere near what the property really called for. And so, you know, the pain was... I was stretching myself. I was pulling lines of credit and cash advances on credit cards. And oh my God, my credit score was like really pathetic. And I was like, how do I, how do I do this? How do people like run multifamily deals? And, and so then I realized that, man, if you're financing the entire project on your own, you know, that, that loan was a recourse loan. So you know, I put the the 20% down on it. I was able to get an 80% loan of cost on it. Uh, and so I had the money sunk in there. And then I mentioned 325K renovations. That had to come from somewhere. And so I had to keep this project going. And it was a very fast renovation. We renovated the 19 units in about seven months. Wow. So it was pretty quick and a lot of external work. We replaced the entire roof. We replaced all the HVAC units uh, inside and out. We built a laundry room that wasn't there when we started. We replaced balconies. I mean, we we did a lot of work to this place. And, you know, that, that was very capital intensive. So that's kind of the reason why I started looking for another angle, because I just didn't want to put myself through that kind of pain again. And... I will say that I refinanced that property two times in three years because we were adding more value. We we drove rents from $500 a month to $750. And, and you know, we basically turned all, all the units but the one. So that that's kind of the why we, we moved into syndication model. Right, right. And was this uh was this close to home uh in Houston? 
It was uh, maybe an hour and 15 minutes away uh, in a college town. For those that know where College Station is, where Texas A&M University is. Yeah. And it wasn't student housing. Yeah, but uh, comfortably able to manage it yourself just because of proximity as well. Yes, but, you know, that's a blessing and a curse. A hundred percent. Because I would I would always convince myself that it was close enough that I could just drive there. Yes. And I would do a lot of work myself. Yes. And and there was a pivotal time because I bought two apartment complexes in the same town. But there was a pivotal time. It was a Sunday afternoon and I'm driving out to to check on the property. Property manager calls me up and she says, Tony, there's a there's a resident who's having an issue with her toilet. I could call the plumber. It's going to be time and a half because it's a weekend. You know, you want me to make the call? And I was like, no, no, you know, I'm not far. I'll, I'll take care of this one. <laughs> and then 15 minutes later, I called her back. I said, no, call the plumber. This is yeah. not why I got in this business. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it was interesting. I know. And it's it's interesting too, because I feel the same way. Like I, we are, our properties are all located within an hour radius from our home too. And we don't do the day to day, but we do the same thing as you is, which is we go there from time to time and check up on things. And whenever you go, there's like, you know, I, I find myself like starting to pick up garbage from the outside of the property because I see it. Right. Or I, I notice things and you just it's in your nature. Like these are these are your assets. Like you, you know, there, there's such a strong emotional thing there that you start getting into it. Right. Like you're like sweeping the foyer or like in your, and then you catch yourself. You're like, why, why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> um, so I completely understand. But I also understand the sentiment that once you're there, uh, there's no holding back, right? It's, it's yeah. <laughs> for two years, my residents thought I was the maintenance guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, you, you're hundred percent right. When you speak of like exactly what you, you just said in, in your previous uh, sentence is like, you know, I, like you asked yourself, like, why am I doing this? Like, what, what, why did I get into real estate? Right. So, I think that that goes back to how we pivot and what we do. It it has to come back to that. Why? So yeah, share with us. Like, what was your why? Like, why did you get into real estate? And and, and then how did that impact your decision to now start saying, okay, I need to pivot again. So now I've been in singles. Now I've owned small multis and and now I'm going to pivot one more time here. Yeah, I, I pivoted a lot. I mean, I think that originally the why was kind of two reasons. One was it was a way to build retirement income. And it was something that was aligned to my background in construction. So I just always had this natural interest in in real estate. But then over time, especially as I started getting more into multifamily and building more of a bigger portfolio and seeing the financial aspects of it, now it became less about uh, retirement and a new way of like a new career. And so I, I had many conversations with my boss along the way. We, we'd known each other for many years. And it was always funny when, when I first started out, bought one house, he said, he said, Hey, that's a cool hobby. Okay. And then I bought the second house and the third house. And he said, okay, it sounds like maybe this could be a distraction 
Are you sure you can still manage your job and have these homes? And by the time I bought my first apartment complex, he was like, you think if I invest with you, you can make me rich? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes, I I pivoted. In fact, a little over a year ago, I left my my W-2 job in management consulting and went full-time into real estate. Yeah, wow. no, that's great. So was, uh, you know, was the intention to leave your, your job as like a, almost like a pre very early retirement or was it that, you know, you just wanted, uh, the change? Like what was, what was the reason that you decided at that point to leave your job? So when, when you listen to all those bigger pockets podcasts and people talk about financial freedom and, you know, what's your number, how many units do you need to have before you, you can leave? And this concept of replacing your your W-2 income with cash flow. Well, that sounds really good on paper, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you that that's hard. I mean, you've got to really think about, you know, some alternative ways to get that done because cash flow is there, but especially in today's world with the way interest rates are and so forth, it's a little tough to replace a really good job. Now, if, if you're like entry level, you can probably replace that job pretty quick. But if you've been in a professional career for 25 years, you have a pretty good income. It's very hard to replace that. Yeah. So a, a few things to consider. One is I always think, don't worry about replacing the income because if you're doing your job well, you're going to keep getting bonuses and raises and you're just chasing something So why not focus on the expense side? Cover your expenses with whatever passive income you're getting off of your investments. So that's a different perspective because also you can control your expenses. You you can start reducing them. My wife and I downsized our house a few years ago. We ended up buying a house that was like 10 years newer and we cut a thousand bucks off of our monthly payment. And, and it's great. We love it. And it was like a no brainer. We just saved a thousand bucks. You know, if you're getting a couple hundred bucks cash flow, that's five units right there that we don't have to acquire. Right. So, so cover the expenses. But the other thing was, I just enjoy the, the real estate career and life. And, and so I was going to find a way to make it work regardless of whether I hit a financial freedom number. So that was just a choice that I made. Right, right. Yeah. So what does your What does your day look like now? Well, what do you, well, you know, are you looking for deals? Are you uh, talking to investors? And 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 I also want to get into your latest acquisition as well later on. Yeah. So my my day is uh, a little fragmented sometimes because I have five businesses. Um, and some just kind of sprung up, you know, for certain necessities, like uh, uh, had a goal this year to buy a second home out in either Colorado or Utah. Early in the year, I didn't know where I would do that. Uh, we ended up in Utah. And so it made sense to turn it into a short-term rental while we're not there. And so we launched a vacation rental company. And so nice. that that's kind of off and running a little bit now. And then, like I mentioned to you off air, you know, I got the coaching business that recently started. So I'm really actively working to grow that. 
Now, my multifamily business, yeah, I'm always looking for deals. I'm working with a lot of partners. Uh, I, I work on my asset management and have a number of calls throughout the week with my teams to, to run each of the assets that we've acquired. So it's kind of a myriad of, of business development as well as sort of project management, asset management, and, you know, try to have a little fun too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So uh, maybe talk to us a little bit, like Jose was saying about your uh, latest acquisition, what's going on on the, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the multifamily space. Are you guys still acquiring? I know you recently just uh, closed on a deal. Um, Tell us about that. Yeah. So that's a 75 unit in San Antonio, Texas. That was kind of a long process because it was a loan assumption, which is seemingly more prevalent right now because of interest rates and a bit of a pivot of sorts. Uh, We started in, I guess, about June. We got under contract on that, and we just closed at the end of November. So it took a long time because now you're dealing with Freddie Mac, you know, government agency. It just kind of moves at, at government pace. And just something that we had to kind of work with and communicate with our investors. But, you know, we're, we're closed and we're off to the races on, on trying to reposition the asset, but it's a, it's a mid sixties vintage. It's been um, renovated quite a bit. The previous owner put in about two and a half million dollars before we bought it. So the units look great. Uh, A lot of work to the exterior. We're coming in with our CapEx budget to basically refresh it. And just, you know, bring the landscaping up to par, you know, repaint where we need to repaint. We budgeted for parking lot, ceiling and striping, that sort of thing. And, but nothing, nothing significant that, that needs to be done. Yeah. And, and um, uh, share, share the numbers with us, if you don't mind. Uh, was your purchase price uh, per unit on that Oh, man, you got to get me to pull the calculator out. So <laughs> We we bought it for six point eight five million. So nice. uh, whatever that definitely unit, under uh, under hundred thousand unit. Um, that's a great. That seems like a great price. And um, is it? Uh, you mentioned uh, and you you had a property manager lined up for, for that one. Is it, this is a new acquisition in a new market, right? It 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 is a new acquisition. It's a new market for me. I've been trying to get into San Antonio for quite some time. Uh, normally I focus on the Houston area, but also in the Oklahoma city area. Uh, I've got an asset up in the DFW area as well, but San Antonio is a market that I've really been looking at for quite some time. Uh, I have some family there as well. So it kind of makes sense, but, uh, yeah, property management, one of the general partners on our deal, uh, she has had a property management company for a number of years and really focuses on Austin, San Antonio and surrounding areas. So it just made sense to, to have her team come in and, and property manage it. Nice. Yeah, I know. That's cool. So, um, yeah, so, so deals under the way, um, 
you know, a coaching business on the go, uh, you know, now a short-term rentals on the go too. Uh, it sounds like you've more than replaced your, uh, your busyness uh, from, you know, transitioning out, which is, I think what, in, uh, what, what investors do, right? Like when you're passionate about it, um, you find a way to create opportunities for yourself and, and, and find a way to basically create income through various business ventures. And, you know, something that you hit on, which I think is really important is that a lot of people do like like you said there's a lot of people who talk about like i need x number of doors and i need x number of cash flow and i need to do all of these things but you're right like really understanding your numbers and understanding your expenses and understanding really what you're trying to achieve and also keeping in mind like i think this is a good takeaway from from your example is that multiple streams of income like you know, there's there's ways to generate income through real estate that are more passive in nature. And then there's ways to generate income through ways that are more active in nature. And there's a combination of those two, which are the perfect sweet spot to create sort of that financial freedom that people need, right? So you can't have one without the other, really, in my opinion. You need to have you know, that long-term wealth building, which you're doing, and then sort of that short-term income that's coming in through these other ventures, which you're also doing, which is then allowing you to sort of, uh, you know, sleep at night. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're kind of hitting on something too that we haven't really talked about, but it's the tax side of things, right? right. It, it is the saying goes, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Yes. Yeah. And so, that's where real estate can really come in is getting some some true tax benefits. And so like for me, every time we buy a property, we're doing a cost segregation on it and getting bonus depreciation, which can offset income. If I'm full-time in real estate now, that means I can claim to be a real estate professional on my tax return. And so I can start applying these these losses, if you will, paper losses, depreciation to my active income, and not just my passive income. So when you start thinking about, well, what, what kind of money do I need to make? It's actually probably less than you think because in your W-2, you're getting this gross, Uncle Sam takes his cut yeah. and you know your take home is, is a lot less, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. And, 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 of, and of course, the... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that they they gotta at the beginning at least uh, they gotta sacrifice, right? They can't be you know going on luxury vacations because your W two job you may have making some high income, but you also have that lifestyle that you are used to. You may have to cut back uh, for some of the our audience that you know is looking to transition into becoming a full time investor. Yeah. You know, you, you gotta sacrifice at the beginning to get somewhere. Yeah, or you just get creative and you go buy a short-term rental as a vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. So and we, you know what? That's that's what we're we're actually pivoting with uh, with that strategy as well. So we're using multiple different uh, strategies to make it work. Uh, you know, because we used to do a lot of flipping. Uh, that was kind of our active income, and we've you know pivoted to now short-term rentals. Yeah, just with a lot. Yeah, and the market's always changing, like you said. Interest rates change, things change, market conditions change, and you just have to be able to pivot based on again, but like really identifying your why and what you're trying to do, and then finding strategies that kind of work with with all of that. So, we've talked a lot about real estate. Talk to us about uh, grit and growth, and talk to us about why you're doing it and what you're trying to do with it, and really who who would benefit from this type of coaching. Yeah, so. 
I'll start with, with kind of my mission, which is to help entrepreneurs live an intentional life by design. That is my mission statement. And, and so obviously I'm focused on entrepreneurs. And it, when we say entrepreneur, it can still be somebody who's working in a W-2 job, but has an entrepreneurial mindset. And if they're looking to maybe get out of that, that full-time W-2 job and transition into being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, or if they're happy in their W-2 job, but want to start something on the side or take their side hustle and, and make it something bigger, better, more enjoyable, that's where I come in. And so... So that's a pathway that I've taken in the past, and I've I've been surrounded by people that are doing just this, and that's that's really where I can help. Now, why I started it, I'll be honest, it, it was a couple of things. One was that, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a concept called the, the conveyor belt. And when you purchase assets, it, it's kind of like you, you stick them on this conveyor belt, they're moving along. Let's say that, that you buy a multifamily apartment complex and it's on a, a five-year timeline. You're making a little bit of cash flow as it moves down your timeline, your, your conveyor belt. Maybe when you refinance it in two or three years, you pull out some cash. Eventually, you sell it in five years. You, you take proceeds and maybe you buy another asset or maybe even two and put them back on your conveyor belt. So these things are moving along and they're creating wealth for you. But it takes a long time to get a lot of assets on your conveyor belt. You're not going to get rich off of one apartment building on your conveyor belt. And so there's a space or a gap between assets being on your conveyor belt. And that's where you need income. You need to live, especially if you don't have a W-2 job, you need to find income for that. So when I recognized that that was my situation, I started exploring what, what could be my additional streams of income. And I went through a little exercise where I just took a white canvas and just said, if I could do anything, what would it be? And I listed all these things. There was like 30 things. And then I scored them in three ways. How much time commitment was involved? Or another way to say it, how passive was it? What was my passion for doing it? And, and what was my skill level? And when I aggregated all those up and everything kind of surfaced to the top, the top four or five things were all related to coaching, consulting, training, mentoring. And I took that as a pretty solid sign. And so I said, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get certified as a professional coach, and I'm going to start a coaching business. And here I am. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love how you shared that uh, story on on and how you came up with it, which was very, very logical. Uh, you know, you thought this through and and this is kind of your calling, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of energy out of it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if I fast forward to a question that you asked about how do I spend my day and, and my intentional life by design. And, and by the way, I actually piloted my life by design back in September. I took, about 18 days. And I, I did this. I, I went out to Utah, stayed in our, our vacation rental, but not as a vacation. I tried to see, simulate, how would it be to live the life that I want? 
And so I wanted to basically wake up at seven o'clock in the morning, take my dog out for a run slash hike, come back, take some coaching calls, get on a couple asset management calls, make sure I check in on my, my properties, do a little bit of productive work, wrap up my day about two or three in the afternoon. My wife and I would then go out, you know, for, for an exploration somewhere out in the mountains, you know, do some more hiking, maybe wind up the day with a glass of wine or a cold beer and, and some dinner and, you know, start it all over. That's it. That is, that is all I need. And, and so I tried to make sure I was practicing that and try to make that happen. And so that's where the coaching fits in. Oh, that sounds that's awesome. Great. Yeah. So yeah, Tony, I mean, uh, if people want to reach out and if they want to learn more about your coaching, about all of the other things you're up to, um, what's the best way to reach you? I know that you have a website for your multifamily group, which is uh, novomultifamilygroup.com. And then you have uh, the grittogrowth.com. There's some dashes in there. So I'll make sure we put it in our show notes. Um, is that sort of the best way for people to reach out? Absolutely. Yeah. And and. You'll you'll put the website in the show notes. Yeah. On the website, uh, there's there's a button they can just click to schedule a discovery call, um, complimentary discovery call. We can, we can spend 20, 30 minutes, explore whether coaching is right for for any member of your audience. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, grit two growth dot com. Yeah. So yeah. Um, seems like yeah you're very experienced and you came from this background as management consultant so and you got certified so you got a lot of great experience um you know uh, along the way and uh you know walking the talk right like live trying to live your intentional life by design uh doing all the things that you know you've recognized make you happy and um really focusing on why you're doing all of it and 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 tying that all together so i think that's that's really great um i uh, want to thank you for coming on our show today we will definitely link all of your uh websites and your contact information so that if people are interested in reaching out or learning more they can definitely do that um yeah thanks so much uh tony we appreciate your time been a uh, valuable right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. It, it was a great conversation. I hope awesome. it brings value to your listeners. Absolutely. Thanks again, Tony. Okay. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.